Hello, my name's Aaron Espindola. And I'm Linda OJ. And welcome to another episode of the Next Gen Business Podcast. Let's go. The Next Gen Business Podcast is produced by the Small Business Community Network. Visit them online at www.sbcncanada.org. So have you been working on your business, your booty business? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, I've actually been uh, looking at adding some new product onto my website. So I'm going to be doing, uh, I think, high-waisted bikinis or recyclable or recycled um, bikinis. So it helps the environment out. Um, and I'm going to be adding those onto the website, I believe, sometime at the end of this week or the beginning of next week. Um, so I've been working on that, getting the designs ready for it. I'm also not a designer person so it's a little bit tough for me especially since i'm designing girl bikinis so i'm always bugging my friends and asking their girlfriends like hey do you guys think this is nice or is this something that works for you guys so yeah i've been doing that <laughs> it sounds good it really sounds good well we've been playing catch up after our week's holiday so really excited um i managed to grab a guest for tonight literally grab virtually um how can i explain this guest he's called tony de silva and I've known him for over 20 years, and he's got an amazing story of how he built his business. And I want him to tell us some of the naughty bits in his early life, because I know high school students and, and um, you know, students who go to university and college are not always good guys, because I know you're not a good guy, Aaron. You're very, very naughty. <laughs> so I'd like to introduce Tony De Silva, who is the owner of Coochie Cabello, one of the best salons in Kitchener, Waterloo. Waterloo! <laughs> Sorry, guys. I've been drinking wine. How are you doing, Tony? I'm excellent. How are you? I, th I think we're good, aren't we? Excellent. Excellent. Oh, the reason I wanted you on the show, Tony, you have a successful business now, but this show is kind of um, pointed in the direction of high school students and students at university or college who are not sure where they're going. They may want to start their own business. They may just want to travel the world. Uh, they may want to, you know... Uh, visit a foreign country and study there or they may want to enter the corporate world or something like that and so um, you've got quite a good story haven't you because were you born in Portugal? No I was born in Canada but I was raised in Portugal. If you were raised in Portugal does that mean you went home from Canada to Portugal as a young person and then came back here for school? Um, no, I was born in Canada, but my parents had decided to buy a, a restaurant in Portugal. So when we were very small, we moved to Portugal. We were raised there. And when I was 16, I came back to Canada. My parents had sold the business, so I wanted to come back to Canada to see a new life, to try something different. Oh, wow, 16. So you'd already done the high school. No, but here's the problem. When I came back to Canada, they put me two years behind. So instead of putting me in high school, towards the end of high school, they put me right in the beginning. So I had to as if I start all over. So and I came through midway through the through the year. So could you imagine coming to Canada, put yourself in grade nine, not knowing how to speak English, and here you go. Yeah, it was it was not a fun time, but I survived it. So Aaron, how can you imagine that, you know, being put back two years? Wow. Yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty rough. Uh, were you able to join the junior teams or did you have to go with the seniors? <laughs> Here's the problem, Aaron. When you when I when I arrived, it was halfway through the the school, so all the clings, all the teams were made. So nobody was really putting a new foreign kid that didn't know how to speak English. So it was a little tough to break into any groups. By the second year, it was a lot better. Did you have to go to the junior team, or does it go by age? I don't. 
You know what? At, at, that, at that time, I mean, uh, I should have gone to the senior team, but I did. did <laughs> team for sure it went by the grain at the age oh so i'm confused because obviously i was brought up in england and my kids came here uh scott was 13 the eldest when he went to um when he came to canada so he went to high school you know cold so what is these teams we're talking about are they sports teams or what just just sport teams because i know they're split up right now in junior and senior so sometimes if you're an older um person they don't really let you go on the junior team because it's not fair but you can as a junior you can go on the senior team and it's a lot better but <laughs> they judge me based on my grade not on not on my age so yeah so with the junior teams i had an advantage you had, yeah so i guess in later life that may have helped you tony so tell us the story of when you were working at um was it burger king it was Harvey's. It was. Oh my God! <laughs> Sorry, would you like to hear? I have so many about Harvey's. I have worked at so many of them. I want the naughty one. <laughs> How naughty can we go on this show? <laughs> as long as you don't swear or get political, <laughs> he's always talking about booties. So I'm sure, uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, my God! I mean, li listen to this. I mean, I started working at Harvey's. Um, uh, as soon as I got in, into Canada, right? So I was, I was barely 16 years old. Um, I couldn't speak English. My my parents got me a job there. I didn't even apply for it. My dad told me, uh, Saturday, you're going to work at Harvey's. I didn't even know what Harvey's was, right? So my dad knew a Portuguese manager there, got me a job there. So, I mean, as soon as I started working there back in the day, I mean, a hamburger combo then was $1.99. So just to show you how long ago that was, right? Um, my God, I don't know which one to tell you about, about, about so many stories about Harvey's, so many. So you're a little bit shy today because years ago you told me a very naughty story about Harvey's. But Aaron, I don't think he wants to tell us that. So I guess Aaron wants to ask you something, don't you, Aaron? I know you're dying to ask Tony something. Yeah, so um, I guess you said you worked at Harvey's. Was there any other like maybe fast chain or fast pace environment that you're kind of exposed to that made you into like a able to cope with your business now because i know when you're starting off and especially in like the salon and all that there's you have a lot of things happening at the same time you got a lot of stuff to balance you got to talk to customers and all that was there anything like any specific job that you had as a kid that helped you kind of develop yourself into becoming a, able to manage uh, your company now you know what, but my friend, I'm going to say Harvey's was a, was a great aspect just because of uh, being a franchise. There was a certain um, certain aspects put in place there that we always had to follow, especially rush hours. Like I said, there was um, always a program that we had to follow with Harvey's. So that kind of taught me a bit on how to, you know, manage, you know, the business in, in, in different sections, even though I'm not the greatest manager. Um, Harvest did play a, a big factor in that. And I'm also going to say my parents, my parents were a big influence on, on my work ethic and all, how I handle my business today. So my parents, I would have to say that they were a big influence as well. That's really interesting because I have um, kind of like the same type of experience because I, I was super shy when I was young in high school. And I worked at Walmart um, and I, they put me in the electronics department. So I was there had, having to explain to all the customers, like all the different products. And I was really shy. So that was something that really helped me um, kind of become more outgoing, be able to talk to customers. Um, just the whole uh, how they work on their inventory. They always have their stocks uh, or their shelves stocked up. Um, all that like kind of helped me run my business that I'm doing now and gave me ideas on like in the future. That's how I would want to do it as well. So yeah, it's interesting that you had the same experience in, in a different industry, right? So it's- uh, in, a, in a different industry. But, and I know this may not be the same thing, but another thing that kind of shaped me up on how to deal with the public, I, I was an altar boy. 
an altar boy. Oh, it's an altar boy. I was a Catholic altar boy. So I know this sounds weird, but there's a little bit of that that helped me learn how to deal with public. Yes. I, was I told you that, Linda, about me that I was an altar boy in Portugal? So how did that help you deal with the public? Okay, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe not the business business aspect, but to be around people in a certain formality. Because when you're an altar boy, there's certain steps you have to present yourself oh. in a way in public. That if you're shy or if you don't know how to behave in public, you quickly learn those steps. Being an altar boy, so I would have to say a little bit of that altar boy taught me how to be talk in public in a way. I was an altar boy for like, I think three times and I got yelled at for one of them because I messed up and one of the old ladies was like, hey, that's not how you do it and then she wanted to pull me aside and teach me and I'm like, oh, I'm not doing this again. <laughs> you guys are terrible and you're both as bad as, like, Aaron, you say you're shy. I've seen your Instagram account. You are not shy. I'm not shy anymore. I'm not shy anymore. Um, I literally, like, go up to people, talk to them, have a good time. Uh, but before i was the shyest person you could ever meet i was too like i kept everything to myself um just like ordering food at a drive-thru or something like that would make me all like flustered and stuff so that's why walmart electronics i know it's a silly job it's part-time um especially if i'm doing school it just helps you kind of like become a person like this person that you will help you become better later in your life so so tony um, your parents helped you, but how did they help you? Was it because, like my parents way back, my mom said, okay, you've left school now, you're um, 17 years old, um, I wasn't a very clever student, if you don't get a job in the next month, I'll get one for you. That's what my mom said to me, and I had the same job till I, came, till I became a mom, I was a secretary. So did your parents say, you have to get a job, you have to work, you know? So in Portugal, no. In Portugal, we li I lived in the restaurant as well as we lived in the farm. Uh, like I said, my parents moved to Portugal to, to, to buy this, acquire this restaurant. So I was raised in the restaurant. So on a daily basis, we were literally told what we're doing, how we're doing, and how it's going to be done. Oh, that's good. That's good. That was no shy about that. So my, my, parents, my parents definitely put the work ethic into me and my brother. Me more than so, my brother, because my brother would run away and take off and just do his thing. So, um, I believe the principal of your high school, who shall be nameless, said something very motivational to you, didn't he? <laughs> yes, 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 you remember that story. My, my, uh, my principal of my, parent, uh, the, my school called my parents to pick me up and told my parents that I would never accomplish anything. I might as well put me in the, into the workforce because I would never accomplish anything. And I'm like, wow, what a thing to tell an immigrant parents about their kid, right? And, yeah. um, you know, and then I became the stars that I became and the rest, like I said, is history. But yeah, that is a true story about the principal. I think that's uh, really similar to something they told Messi, right? Like, he was too small to play soccer and they're like, you're not going to be able to play soccer. Like, that guy's one of the best players in the world right now. <laughs> I've just got to say something to Aaron now because I, Dave and I saw a video of you doing like, was it Messi or another footballer when you were very young on YouTube and you were practicing with the um, the ball? Is that you, Aaron? I, yeah, I used to do videos. I used to do videos on, is it on Facebook? Now it's on uh, YouTube. Oh, oh, that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was younger, I had a YouTube channel. I only uploaded two videos, and I was just trying to be funny and become viral. So I did a video of like trying to recruit for be recruited for like Barcelona or whatever. 
And I was just like doing silly things because I literally lived at the soccer field. That was actually one of the things I wanted to do the most was become a professional soccer player. But it's really hard to do, especially in Canada. There's not a lot of opportunities and a lot of it. um, It's very uh, political. So then the coaches don't let you in if they know if they have sons in there or their friends. They just only want to get their friends in there. So at that age, I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop doing that. And then I was also into making videos. So I I did. Yeah, I did do that. It was good. We'll have to send it to Tony. So Tony, you your principal told you you'd make to nothing, and now I like to tell people you're a millionaire and you're having this fantastic villa built in Portugal for us to come on holiday, obviously. So how did you jump from being useless to being amazing? <laughs> <laughs> Are you related to my principal? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know... <laughs> I was like, um, you know, just like I, I guess you know through the hard work and times, and you know, I, I put in a lot of time into that shop. And as you as you know, I mean, I've been doing hair now for approximately thirty years now. Um, just a true dedication to it, to to the craft, literally. So you just opened a shop and you got good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily. There's a story, Tony. Aaron doesn't know. <laughs> not necessarily open up the shop and just go with it you know like like i said um um after i finished the the, the whole harvey's gig um i i went and I, I got an apprenticeship with uh my ex-wife's cousin who was opening up a salon uh back in the day and he asked me if i would be interested in being one of his assistants um so i didn't think i could do it but i i, I took the chance and you know going to my dad and telling my dad hey dad i'm going to leave you know working from harvey's and i'm going to now become a hairstylist you know i don't know how my portuguese dad's going to take their son becoming you no know, hairstylist whatever right but anyways i i i i chanced it and i did an apprenticeship and Lynn, like i told you I, I did um they entered me into a vidal not to be to a Schwarzkopf competition back in the day and um, I was shocked when they told me I walked into the salon that you're going to be entering this Schwarzkopf competition. I didn't believe in myself at that time. I'm going to be competing against these guys from Toronto and stuff like that. And I believe it was in 1994 that I actually got the nerve and I went to Toronto and I did the competition and I won the whole thing. So I got an entire scholarship and from that scholarship I moved on and went to George Brown College. So I was the first person in my entire family to go to college. It was Toronto. And then uh, I believe in 2000 I opened up Coochie Cabello on Victoria Street. And then uh, I started a Coochie Cabello very, very small. Um, it was me and another partner from uh, from the old salon that I had left back in the day. And um, the two of us started developing the brand. And we started developing a bit of a culture in within that brand. And it's, it became a little popular. It was an all-male salon, um, which was very unusual at the time uh, in Kitchen to have an all-male salon. So I think there was a little bit of spark in that, a little um, interest in that with, with the public at the time. They thought it was very interesting. So that kind of helped us get a little bit of a popularity. And we ran with that popularity for now for the last 21 years. For the for the salon, um, what kind of services do you offer? Is it like strictly hair? Strictly male, hair, okay. Male and female, but also it was just literally a hair shop. We never wanted to diverse into other beauty services, just because I if you're gonna do something well, do it then do it very well. And when you come into like spas and aesthetics and personalized service like that, that is great. But that's not where my my dream, my vision was. My vision was always hair. So I've always wanted to have a shop where instead of doing cars, we're doing hair, good music, yeah. good time, a good vibe. And so it's a hair shop. So how do you uh, find like 
competition right now? I know there's a lot of people doing like super cheap haircuts, even for free. So how do you get like people to come into your stuff, into your salon? Do you know what? Okay, people come into my salon. I've always built my brand on word of mouth just because when I started building Cuchicabello, we built Cuchicabello in the day before of the internet. I mean, we were from the day of, we'd hire the, the, the yellow pages. I don't know, I believe you're too young to know what the yellow pages are. But, um, <laughs> Our yellow pages and that was our google right so we are from that generation of word of mouth right so kuchi cabello is literally a brand that's built built on word of mouth but now with what's happening um today we're obviously retaining our our, our business through word of mouth which we are very blessed but let me tell you there is so much great talent out there today and through instagram TikTok, uh facebook any form of social media i'm seeing such young talent out there today that the talent out there today is abundant Abundant, yeah, great talent out there today, and and great and great platforms to deploy. Like I said, I'm a phone book generation, but I mean, if I was coming out of a hair school today in 2021, I would have you know the most amazing Instagram platform because that would be of my generation of something I would be interested in doing. Like I said, today, amazing talent out there. So if somebody's at high school, college, or university at the moment and they're not sure what they want to do, they're They've gone to college, but they're still not sure. They've gone to university, they're still not sure what they want to do. How? What advice could you give to them that, you know, I do something you love, but how do you know what you love? Like, for instance, Craig, one of one of my sons, um, Tony, I'm sure Craig introduced us all to you, Tony, many years ago, because he had his hair done for... Craig desperately wanted to be um, um, an architect, but funnily enough, Aaron, he didn't want to travel to London, Ontario to live away from home, even though he didn't like living at home. So, so he took um, another course at Conestoga, which he finished. I'll give him that. And um, what was that? Um, you know, the engineers that do the roads and stuff like that, civil engineer. So he passed that course, but he hasn't gone on to do it now in later life. So those kinds of people who are not enjoying what they're doing, but they want to graduate and finish what they started. How do they know, like you did, that there's something out there waiting for them? It's a difficult question, isn't it? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I thought you were talking to Aaron. I'm sorry, I apologize. <laughs> um, um, repeat the question again. I'm so sorry. I thought you were asking that to Aaron. Basically, you knew that you wanted to do something. So you had the opportunity to practice at a hair salon and you realized you enjoyed it. So what advice would you give to somebody who's not sure what they want to do they're doing a course or they're at high school how do you find out what you love to do if you don't know i was like i said i was blessed from the get-go for finding something uh early in my career that i enjoy doing but for young people today like i have kids now right and like my kids are 24 and 20 years old and they're still like in limbo want to know what to do i don't know what i love what's my passion so my suggestion to 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 my kids what i tell them at this moment is while they're like, you know, free or mortgage free or rent free or whatever, take this opportunity to explore different venues that maybe you, you, you think you might love, but until you put your feet in it, you might not realize that you're actually gonna like it or hate it, right? Because some people think, oh, you know what? I love the idea of being doing flowers or being a florist, but then you go into a floor shop and you're in there, you're like, what the hell is this? I don't wanna be in here. Like, the idea of something, you know, is appealing, but until you get your feet wet in something. So I tell my kids, you know what? Just try something. Don't do it for the money. Just see if you like the environment, uh, the culture, the longevity. And um, is it feasible? Can you pay your rent? Can you put food on the table if you chose this as a career? But um, I always tell people, look at a trade. 
Trades are great. I mean, I know a lot of people are always eager to have, you know, maybe uh, the perfect Instagram job or the perfect, you know, job where I don't do much, but I make millions of dollars. I get it. But now, why not check out to be a plumber or, or something that or a masonry, like a, a guy that works in stones or a woman that works in stonework? Uh, I think you can make incredible amounts of money and explore a, a venue that it hasn't been really tapped anymore because it's almost forgotten. That's really solid advice. I have a lot of friends that um, have that same question. I usually tell them um, because for myself, I am really like an overthinker and I always kind of plan ahead for things. And I, I always find it funny that um, the, I'm talking to these people and they kind of just go with the flow. They just wait. They just go to their program, do their program. And they're like, by the end of it, hopefully I can figure it out. But they're not giving themselves the opportunity to try out these new different things. So even if it's like a part-time job, maybe it's not the coolest part-time jo job ever, but if you go into it, um, it could be like something that you're really in love with doing. Um, for me, like I, I literally do everything. I, I've done masonry. I've done like cement work. I've done uh, patios and all that stuff. I've literally done like building just stuff that, and the uh, electronics and the sales. Find out you knew you wanted to do bathing suits. Like how did the bathing suit world come to you? I'm fascinated well, about that. Yeah, so the bathing suit, it wasn't really the bathing suit that got me. It was uh, the beach lifestyle because I, as a child, my mom would always take me to the beach. And that's something I really love to do. I loved going to the beach. I loved the environment. And I wanted to um, – and I, at the time, I really liked clothing. I was someone that really liked to wear brands. And I'm like, there's uh, – I found myself looking for a, a clothing brand for the beach because I, when I go to the beach, I want to wear something cool, something nice. But I didn't really find anything that I liked. I know that there was brands like Adidas, Nike, all those guys that they were doing stuff um, on top of that. Like they had swimwear, but it was kind of weird for me to wear Jordans or, or some or not Jordans, but like uh, Nike at the beach because it's not really a beach brand. It's more athletic. I'd wear that at the at the soccer field. I'd wear that going to work out. Um, so I didn't really have that. Um, and then there were some brands, but they were surfing, and I'm not I'm not a surfer. <laughs> I've never surfed in my life, so it's not something that I can really relate with. Um, but I do like brands and stuff. That's something specific in your mind that you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and we um, last week I I um, interviewed Aaron, didn't I, about his business? Because the week before he interviewed me about mine. It's really interesting how it come about. And this is all about networking. We networking here. People who are listening to us, you know, and networking with each other. And I would encourage you guys to get together virtually and network with each other because I think you're very similar. I love both of you. So Aaron took the opportunity to come to one of the SBCN meetings. Uh, there were three Colestoga students, didn't know each other. And then he emailed me the brave thing and said, are there any volunteer opportunities? So I grabbed him and uh, I think we work well together. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, I, yeah I'm really happy that I sent that message. Um, one of the big things is I've, I'm always like thinking ahead. Maybe if this doesn't, uh, like my clothing brand doesn't take off, maybe I'll, I'll get myself into like the business world and stuff like that. So I wanted to reach out to that community. So if anyone is interested, whatever community community you want to be a part of, and just try to get involved, even if it's for free. Like it's not maybe it takes a day. What is it? it takes like an hour to do this? <laughs> it's not much, but it's it's a lot of fun and it opens a lot of opportunities for you. We, we have a lot of fun, yeah. And, and Tony, the reason I wanted you on is not only are we really good friends, I love you to bits. You've in the past been one of my mentors, one of my sponsors. In fact, you were so kind to me all those years ago. Uh, you probably don't remember this, but I'm doing my first public seminar 
at the Warper Terrace and you go, how many people have you got coming? I go, friends, family, I don't know. And I'm paying for the wine, cheese and everything. And you said, oh, I'll pay for it. I'll sponsor you. And you, you've, you've helped me a lot. Of, yeah, amazing. And um, I had my, I think it was my third book launch at your salon, Tony. So thank you for that. But Erin, this is why I love networking so much because it's not that, you know, I want people to get giving me things and helping me. But, you know, I tell everybody, Tony does my hair. Not at the moment. <laughs> it's terrible. Tony does my hair and, it, you know, it always looks lovely. And even though Tony doesn't need my help, I love to show off, you know. And I love talking about you, Erin, and, you know, your... Tell Tony what your brand is. It's, it's Yeah, well, you're not wearing it today, are you? <laughs> I'm not wearing it right now. Um, I was wearing it earlier, but pretty much my brand is called Booty Beach. Uh, it's a beach and lifestyle clothing brand. Um, it's pretty much all about body positivity. We chose the name because we wanted something to stand out. That's one of the most important things. When people go to the beach, they don't want to be, like, not seen, right? And that brand just helps you. Like, people walk past, they look, they look twice. Sometimes even three times they'll come up to you, ask you, hey, where did you get that clothing? And that's, like, speaking from experience, that's actually happened. I am definitely going to check you out. I'm check it out. Bootybeach.ca. Um, we ship worldwide. Uh, we're always adding new products and uh, right now, I think we're probably going to be getting some more influencers because uh, the summer season's getting started. And uh, we're going to actually do a new segment. Uh, I'm going to be going around at the beach with a podcast. Like, Well, not a podcast. It's going to be like a microphone and a video camera with my friends. <laughs> and we're going to be interviewing people on the beach, getting them to do funny stuff. And So, Tony, I'm hoping that um, the salons can open soon, not just for me, but for you guys. You have been coping so well with all the lockdowns what keeps you going uh my kids my kids keep going netflix lcbo a lot of things keep <laughs> going <laughs> i am i mean i am i mean i do communicate with a lot of my, my my guests my clients but i am looking forward for for us to opening very 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 soon because i am a bit of a workaholic as you know you are a workaholic when tony goes on holiday it's only for a week and actually, and when my house is done in Portugal, you're more than welcome to come, and you're more than welcome to come as well. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Do you remember Tony? Um, Savannah was Savannah was in our wedding party, and you planned to go to two weeks to Portugal, and Tony didn't realise one of the weeks was our wedding, and so he had to go. And you only ever go for a week. You probably think I should, think you should go for. Yeah, it's never been for a week, but well, that's going to change too. So. Before we finish, Tony, you've given us some great advice for the students. Um, anybody, actually, of any age who wants to, you know, think about starting a business or, you know, doing something they love, whether it's the trades or whatever, you've given us some good advice. And you, you said one important thing, don't just do it for the money. And you'll never achieve it. Honestly, I, that's one thing I've always tell people. A lot of people, they think, oh, you know, I'm going to become a hairstylist because, you know, what do oh, I see this hairstylist with that hairstylist making all that money? Um, if you're into for the money, you'll never get it. It has to be the passion of uh, for the art and the work and, and how you make the person feel. If you have the talent and the ability to create that, the money will follow. But if you're just entering any industry just for, like, if you're going to design bathing suits just for, 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 to make money and if you're going to do, you know, cheap fabric, cheap cuts, blah, 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 just prove them. You know, eventually you're not going to sell your product. It's just crap. But if you like, you know, like uh, take a vision like his and you're going to design something amazing and cool and, you know, and think of the earth and, you know, visibility and something cool and brand. Good for you, buddy. I support that. I think that's excellent. You give us some great advice, Tony. So, Cucci Cabello, um, what address on Victoria Street? 1595 Victoria Street North, Cucci Cabello. 
Yeah, and I know that if we Google you, we'll find you. So I'm definitely going to go for my next haircut, for sure. I'm actually looking for a hair, haircut. Or Tony, I'm going to say goodbye from me. Goodbye from me as well. And for anyone that's listening, just make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Next Gen Business Podcast. And that's the same one for Instagram, uh, as well as you, Tony. Just make sure to follow us, and then we can tag you on any of the posts that we have. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Check us out at www.nextgenbusinesspodcast.com.